Hello, and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oral Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oral Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Welcome to this week's edition of Rising as One Podcast. In this episode, we discuss a draw against Orange County and the win against Colorado Springs this week. Phoenix picked up seven of nine points in this three-match and one-week stretch, pushing us up to seventh place in the Western Conference. Phoenix is currently unbeaten in seven straight matches and looks to push it to eight with their upcoming home match against first-place Real Monarchs. Jeff and Dominic will cover scores from around the league, and I will provide you with an update on the current standings after some unexpected results in the top four this week. I'm your co-host, Matt Trainer. Joined here today by co-hosts Dominic Kearns and Jeff Went. What's up, guys? How's it going? Things are going pretty well. Um, you know, I don't think anyone at the start of this week would have said, okay, we're going to get four points. Which match are we going to win? Which match are we going to draw? And say we're going to draw Orange County and beat Colorado Springs. But, hey, four points out of those two matches, I will take that every single time. Um, and especially the way we won last night. I don't think it gets much better than this for regular season. Yeah, a great, a great week of play for the boys. I mean, obviously coming off a, a tough win last Saturday over over Seattle and having to turn around three days later and play a play a tough Orange County squad and then another three days later have to, to deal with a road trip to Colorado Springs in a place where you've never been able to, to get a result in the past before. Uh, wonderful to see the, the, the effort of the boys. Wonderful to see the resolve and the not not quit attitude that they've had for for this stretch of games, uh, great to see uh, uh, positive results coming out of this week. One last thing too, we're the only team in this entire state that's actually winning right now. Uh, baseball <laughs> D-backs stopped their winning streak. You know the whole state of football is just a mess right now. U of A, ASU, Cardinals doesn't matter. They're all trash. So you guys are supporting the best professional sports team in Arizona right now. There you go. How about that? <laughs> yep. So with that being said, uh, there is a lot to talk about this week. So it was a pretty busy week all around with the uh, three matches within the one week. So uh, Jeff, why don't you take us into the highlights of the draw with Orange County on Wednesday and the win against Colorado Springs on Saturday? Yeah, let's first talk about that Orange County game on Wednesday night. Uh, you could definitely see early on in the match the boys were were a little tight and a little struggling just because of of the effort because you came out with the same starting 11 as you played in the Seattle match. And most of those guys, you know, played the full 90 minutes. So it was quite interesting to see that, that there weren't any changes to the lineup and he decided to run that same lineup out there. Uh, you know, as for the first half of play, not a really a whole lot going on. Uh, you know, John, Jason Johnson had a couple of chances early in the sixth and 13th minutes, uh, that just went wide. Uh, Orange County had a shot, couple minutes later in the 15th minute from uh, Van Awyke. Nice cross a minute later from from, uh, Victor Vasquez to Chris Cortez. His header just went right over the top. Uh, Sean Wright Phillips had a nice free kick in the 29th minute right to Cortez. Cortez just missed on on that header uh, in the 29th. Uh, You know, in the 38th, Para had an attempt for Orange County. Uh, that was that was turned aside by the defense, uh, and then a, a free kick right at the end of the first half uh, by Chris Cortez, who curled it just a little bit too high. Uh, yeah, in the first half, nil nil. Okay, I mean we've we've seen this drill before, you know, with the boys, you know, and, and their games with Orange County. They're always tight. They're always uh, tough matches. Um, you know, obviously I was not able to attend the match. I watched it. Uh, 
uh, on video that night. Dominic was there. Uh, Dominic can kind of give some more feedback as to what he saw in the first half of that match. Yeah, so I think this one started out with both teams going for the three points the first 20 minutes of this match. There were some really good chances right off the bat. You know, seventh minute, Orange County got a pretty good cross in there. Jason Johnson almost put the ball in the back of the net. He had a great chance around 15th minute, rolled it just wide. And both teams were going for it. I mean, Orange County almost put it in the net too. Jerry Van Ivick uh, just missed a shot from outside the box. But as the half wore on, I think the pace got slower. It looked more like a Wednesday match. And I think part of it was the very lax, possibly non-existent refereeing of Babukar Jallo, the head ref at that match. This one looked like a rugby scrum out there all day long. I mean, clear-cut yellow cards are getting called as regular fouls, and dangerous yellow cards are getting let off with warnings. I don't know what happened for the guy to only call one yellow in the entire match, but, I mean, that was... That kind of set the tone for the whole match that, I mean, this is going to devolve into a brawl as opposed to a soccer match. But, you know, you can't control the refereeing in USL. You just have to go with it. And in fairness, you know, Phoenix Rising adapted pretty well. They had a really good defensive shape. I never felt like Orange County was going to threaten us too much in the later stages of that first half. But the quality was really off from both teams. Um... In the first half, but, you know, even for the whole match, I think the the final stats, there were six shots for Orange County, none on target, and 20 for Phoenix Rising, only two on target. So um, there were some ambitious ideas, but really nothing to show for it, especially in that first half. So, yeah. So we get into the second, so we get into the second half of play. Obviously, a lot of what you saw towards the, you know, the tail end of the first half first 15 20 minutes of the second half you're seeing the same thing uh we actually get to see the introduction of gladys and Awako into the lineup for the first time <laughs> what, a, what an introduction to make 30 seconds into the into the, the the match and you're you're having a clash with an oc player and uh thankfully you know he was able to draw the card on the oc player uh, in that instance well, but, only uh, after there were two more warnings for the guy before i mean he should have been on a yellow already but that's <laughs> neither here nor there but uh yeah so so it was good to see good to see his play uh you know johnson had a touch in the 64th uh just couldn't find couldn't find it right there at the last second uh had another touch in the 74th uh but it hit you know lion made an easy save on that uh you know and then obviously the big moment of the match coming in the 89th minute you know the great play by by aj gray to uh, get the ball in, uh, Gladys and Waco posts it, you know, past Lion Johnson gets a foot on it. He posts it on the other side. Best chance of the night, obviously, for Phoenix Rising, but just couldn't find the back of the net. Uh, a zero-zero draw, third draw of the season against uh, Orange County. I guess it's you know it's better than nothing. We'll take a point there, especially considering, you know. You started the same lineup from Seattle three days later, and obviously you could tell as you get later into the game that uh, that the legs were getting heavy, the legs were getting really tired, and uh, to, to take a point out of that was good. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was good. I mean, you want the three from that match, but I think everyone at the end of the match kind of echoed, you know, the points that we've made earlier. It was a Wednesday match. And we were on a short week. Orange County has had to play a lot of matches lately, too. So you could tell they were fairly gassed. They were also missing a couple players. So neither side was quite at their strongest. And I think it really showed, like, the end of a lot of plays. There was some buildup, but you couldn't get that final touch. And actually, one thing that was a little worrying is that Phoenix, again, struggled to pass the ball too much up until the last 20 minutes when they did get that get back into the flow of the game. It was very reminiscent of the Seattle match, but we couldn't find a late winner this time. Um, but, I mean, you got to, you talk about a super sub. A.J. Gray makes his impact felt, you know, comes on in the 86th minute, and right away he's putting in a dangerous ball. So unlucky that Awako's first chance just can't quite get in. It comes off the inside of the post, 
bangs off of it pretty hard. If it hits it any slower, it's a tap-in for Johnson, but it was just the speed that it came off. Johnson didn't have too much time to react, and it just missed, but good effort still. And one thing that you notice is day and night from earlier in the season, the defensive shape was so much better. Um, the communication back there, Wakasa and Vasquez had great games again. Ramage, you know, our back forward looked very solid, very strong. Um, so, and, and in particular, Jordan Stewart was probably our man of the match that game. He had some crucially well-timed tackles. He was clearing the ball all the time. You know, he's my man of the match for that one. But, uh, you know, good to see Awako make an impact. And it just, just, cl- just so close. <laughs> I'd agree with uh, um, Stewart being man of the match. I mean, since he came back from his injury a few weeks ago, he's definitely made his presence known. Um, and I kind of also go off your comment, too, about how we've improved so much from the beginning of the season. My brother-in-law came with me to this match uh, against Orange County. And he had been, hadn't been to a rising match since, I believe, early June, end of May. Um, so he also noticed the huge difference and improvement um, Phoenix, both defensively and offensively. Uh, so it's good to see that from multiple perspectives. Uh, but for this match, really, I mean, I, I watched the match highlights from USL and there were no highlights between the 29th minute and the 89th minute. So that pretty much summed it up as uh, the Wednesday match, you know, just had uh, just had some bad luck there towards the end. So, uh, Dominic, you also had some uh, post-match audio. Yes, I did. Uh, I was able to speak with our, our man of the match, Jordan Stewart. I was able to talk to Patrice Carterone and get some quotes from Gladson Awako. So, without further ado, let's play that audio. Um, as I said before, it's a bit of a stalemate. Uh, each team didn't have a lot of chances. Uh, it's more of a battle for the midfielders, you know. So, um, to get a clean sheet is always good, but we've got the mindset we always want to win, especially at home. So uh, there's a bit of disappointment there. What did you think about uh, <coughs> of your new, uh, your new uh, teammate out there? Yes. Yeah, he got he got whacked. I think the first touch he has. Um, <laughs> I think that's the thing to come. But he got in good position. Um, I think it's going to take him a couple of games to, to get to know everyone and how we play. So um, it's a great addition. Do you feel that you and uh, Peter have grown your game together in the center of the, in the back this year? Yeah, um, I was saying before, uh, there's a lot of talking going on and he helps him rapidly. You know? um, he's jumped in the leadership role uh, while Disney's been away. And um, he's, he's, a, he's a great captain and a, a great teammate to have beside him. Anyone else? Another clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> Do you think you can keep this going, this momentum that you've had since Patrice has come in? Um, that's the objective, you know. We wanna we wanna win as many games as possible and ultimately end up in the in the playoffs. So as I said we it's probably a a nil nil when you when you look at, and reflect on the game. But we've got the mindset we wanna win all our games, you know, and um, we've got a tough tough trip on the road against Colorado, um, obviously with altitude and that kind of stuff, but we've got a big squad so everyone needs to be ready and hopefully we can come home with three points. Alright. Thank you for your time. Thank you. <laughs> To be part of this club, and uh, uh, I think I really enjoyed myself this evening. Uh, though uh, we didn't get the, the three points uh, we needed, uh, as we all know, it's going to be difficult at this, but we still have to keep pushing to, to, on the next game. To, to, to see how he goes. What did you see on that chance towards the end of the game? Um, come again. What did you see on the chance where it went off the bar down towards the end? Uh, okay, it was a uh, uh, bit difficult, but uh, it, it's fine. We, we'll get to I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. What do you think of the level of play out there compared to the leagues you've played in past in different countries? Uh, okay, we before we have different perception, but I think now. Uh, it's developing and it's, 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 it's really good to be here and to be part of uh, it's, it's, it's professional and I mean I, and I like it. Yeah. And what's it been like reuniting with your former coach, Patrice? Well, uh, he has always been a, should I say, a father who always wants the best from uh, from his boys, and I'm I'm glad I'm I'm happy to be 
to join him here uh, to, to work together. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Again for for the rest of the team. What can you say about Jordan Stewart? He seemed to come up big tonight. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, very good uh, tonight. You know, uh, the Jordan I like uh, very good in the duel, anticipate deep, uh, good with the ball, good attitude. It's um, you know the kind of game if you score in the 15 first minute. I'm sure that it would have been an easy game because mentally we would have feel. Uh, would have felt stronger, but uh, it was uh, at the half time I could feel that most of the players were tired and nervous. I really want them to, to stay calm, be patient. We tried to do the substitution, but it uh, didn't work tonight. What did you see out of Gladstone on his debut for the club? I'm just sad he, he couldn't score this uh, amazing opportunity. Uh, it's, uh, it would have been fantastic for him to, to play just 15-20 uh, minutes and to, and to score like uh, he could have done. But uh, anyway, we're going to keep on working this way and uh, try to have the best result as possible. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. And that was our audio with Jordan Stewart, Gladson Iwako, and Patrice Carteron. Some very interesting points. Patrice Carteron noted that it was really nice to see the team just be so solid defensively. Stewart with some similar sentiments. Um, and then for Iwako, very interesting what he was saying about Coach Carterone. You know, he says that Carterone is like a father figure, and he always looks out for his boys. I was not expecting that that answer to get so deep in the fashion it did. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome to hear that, um, you know, for somebody who has previous experience with Carterone, because we're just starting to learn a little bit more about him. Uh, so it just kind of shows the, the type of coach he is and uh, what he does for his players, you know. Yeah, and I was really intrigued by the comments, of, you know, with Patrice Carter on that we'll get into momentarily, you know, as we go into the, you know, the Colorado Springs match that he could he could tell just watching this match that that uh, the legs were getting really heavy and he, the players were getting really tired. And it was really interesting to see how, and what he did to change the shape and to change uh, things up as, as, as he went into Saturday's match with Colorado Springs. Could not agree more. Um, but I think I don't think there's too much to take away from the Orange County one other than they played a good game, they gave it their best shot, and uh, you know sometimes luck is on your side, sometimes Lady Luck is not. But speaking of matches where Lady Luck was on our side... Jeff, would you like to get into Colorado Springs? <laughs> yeah, let's let's definitely get into Colorado Springs. And like I said, a lot of changes to this lineup. Seven to be to to, to be certain. Uh, obviously, seeing Duigi Mala come into the middle for Jordan Stewart. Uh, we saw Amadou Dia playing on the left hand side of the front three formation. You know, the front uh, three midfielders formation. You saw Gladson Waco get a start in the midfield. Uh, the surprise was seeing Sean Wright Phillips stay uh, stay in in the in the starting lineup, uh, getting him there. Uh, you know, ninety minutes Seattle, another seventy minutes with with uh, with OC on Wednesday. So it was surprising to see him there. You saw Herlow up top. Uh, you know, a lot of change. You saw Blair Gavin in, in a holding mid position. So you know, a lot of changes to this lineup. You were scared early very early that, that something was bad. Uh, keep, uh, you know, Duigi Mala picks up a yellow card right off the bat with a hard foul, which I was kind of surprised that they gave him a yellow right off the bat for that. Uh, it didn't, it didn't look too, too crazy when I looked, you know, when I watched it, but, uh, Kevon Freighter steps up, hits a beautiful free kick, hits the crossbar, comes down and Luke Vercalone happens to be at the right place at the right time to head it in. But the referee sees what, Maybe we get a little lucky on this one with a little push in the back that maybe wasn't too big of a push in the back. Nonetheless, he calls it. We'll take the gift. For once, it's 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 a gift for for Phoenix Rising. We rarely get these things to come across for us. You know, we're always on the bad end of of most of these calls. So, but we'll take it. Move on. Let's let's wipe that from the memory bank right away. Uh, but you could see, you know. They were trying to find their form early. Obviously, they let you know 
Colorado Springs kind of control the play early. Uh, you know, crossed Verkalone in the 15th, a Malcolm shot just wide on the 17th, uh, a Suggs cross that Cohen grabs in the 21st. You know, so you could see early on the, the uh, you know, the struggles there. Um, you know, the first real good chance for Phoenix Rising comes uh, 22nd minute. Sean Wright Phillips uh, throws a cross, uh, hits off of McFarlane, who almost puts it into his, his own net for an own goal, but it he knocked it out just wide uh, for a corner kick there. Uh, nice free kick from Sean Wright Phillips on the 30th to Peter Ramage, but his header goes a little bit wide. Uh, you know, uh, the only other real big play in the first half was a, a shot in the 45th minute by uh, Josh Suggs, which Josh Cohen made a made an easy save on that. Uh, you know, for the most part, an okay first half on the roads, which is what you expect, you know, for a road match. So you go into the half, nothing, nothing. Uh, you know, I thought it was a solid effort from the boys in the first half, just finding their form, finding their rhythm. I thought you could see some good link-ups, you know, in, in the midfield, you know, some good plays, getting it out wide. Just unfortunate we couldn't get that one play, you know, to set up in the middle to get something going towards the end of that first half. But, uh, you know, your guys' thoughts on the first half. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see the first 15 minutes of this match. I got in around that time, so I missed... I mean, I obviously saw the replay of what, quite frankly, looked like a pretty bad call, calling a push on uh, on our defender. I mean, I understand where there's contact, but I think that's one of those situations. Certainly, if you're watching Premier League football, you don't really see that called very often. Um, and it's it's really frustrating because you just see the massive inconsistency in UFL or in USL refereeing. On Wednesday, you know, you basically have to cleat a guy in the face to get a yellow card. And then on Saturday, you get a little nudge and it's a yellow card. I mean, um, that's a tough break for Colorado Springs. But credit credit our team for fighting back. The later stages of the first half, I think we created great chances. Victor Vasquez was getting up the wing pretty consistently. Um, Matt Herlow was getting into a couple nice spots. Unfortunately, we couldn't quite get the ball on target, but we created some really strong chances, and we were really buzzing in front of their goal for the most part, I think, those last 20 minutes of the first half. We definitely made them sweat quite a bit, and uh, perhaps a little bit unfortunate not to break the deadlock before halftime. Yeah, so we'll get into uh, the second half of play, and obviously right off the bat, what a great, what a great way to get the second half started. Uh, get the ball out wide to Amadou Dia, who drives it drives it in. Uh, decides to take a shot short side and see what would happen. And sure enough, uh, Moise Puwadi was not quite ready for that shot. Goes in short side on him, one nothing lead, just like that. Five minutes into the second half, what a great play to get it to get it out wide to him first of all. But but to see him, you know, just fire a shot. Hey, why not? You know, it's early. Take a shot. Take an attempt at it. See what happens. Hey, we'll take the goal. I mean, that puts us up on the foot on the road. You know, obviously, you remember, we've never been able to, to obtain a result in Colorado Springs, so let's go at it. You know, you could you could see how happy the boys were on the sidelines when, uh, you know, when, when Dia hit that. Obviously, you know, a, a solid strike. And, and, you know, Dia had deserved that because he had been working really well throughout the first half and even into the, even the beginning minutes of the second half. So... Uh, I, I agree, and you... Even if you go back and watch the replay, you see, to your point about how happy the boys were, I saw Jason Johnson running down the sidelines. I saw a couple of their subs running down the sidelines to celebrate with Dia. And uh, Phoenix Rising, you know, their Twitter said, was it a cross? Was it a shot? Doesn't matter. Uh, sometimes when you're working your butt off, uh, you get a good break once in a while. And, you know, I don't think that there are too many players that deserved it more than Dia the way he was playing. Yeah, no, not too many that did. Uh, so we saw the introduction of Kevon Lambert into the game in the 57th, or, yeah, the 56th minute, 30 seconds later, picks up a yellow card right away. Kind of kind of ironic how he picks up his yellow card in a similar fashion uh, that happened Wednesday night with the with the match when Waco came right into the game. So that was, that was quite interesting. Uh, a little nervy minute in the 59th with a free kick for Colorado Springs, but their header just goes, goes right over the top. Uh, nice cross in the 68th minute from Sean Wright Phillips to uh, to Matt Herlow, but unfortunately Matt didn't get a real good header on on that one. Uh, 
an interesting play on the 74th. Uh, you know, Cohen had to tip a ball over the top for Malcolm. You know, he was trying to float it in there, and I, you know, Josh was was a little bit off off kilter there, but he was able to tip it and tip it over the top. Uh, then we see the introduction of of AJ Gray and Jason Johnson. You know, in the 76th and 77th minutes, uh, and then. Point Blake shot from Jason Johnson the 79th. Wow, what a save from uh, for Puati on that play. I mean, you couldn't set up Jason Johnson any better for that shot, and you know just right just rifled it right into him and and, and a nice save by Puati. Um, and then obviously, you know the goal in the 83rd. You know we we as much as Cody Wakasa has been playing so well lately, uh, you know you wished he was a little tighter. You know, on on uh, on Josh Suggs on that play, uh, Suggs able to get the ball across to uh, to new Colorado signee AJ Ajakwa, and Ajakwa was able to beat Peter Ramage and beat Josh Cohen to the backside of the net. Uh, perfect pass, perfect perfect tap, one one game, and you're thinking, how oh, great, okay. And here comes a draw, another point that we'll take. You know, on the road, okay, fine. But for once, we see the resolve of the boys. Now, we haven't seen this resolve. In a situation like this, since way back, uh, I would say probably in in April or even early part of May, where something happens and they don't let and they don't let it affect them, they are actually able to turn it around and make it into a positive. Amadou Dia starts the play again, gets the ball out wide on the left hand side, is able to throw a cross in. Jason Johnson, smart of Johnson not to direct that ball towards the net because he knew he had a man on him but was able to to know that A.J. Gray was behind him. Gray was able to settle the ball, take a couple of touches, throw the ball in between three Colorado Springs defenders, and I don't think Pawati even saw it. I don't think he saw it at all because he didn't even move, and that ball just dove to the bottom right hand, bottom left-hand corner of the net, and a 2-1 lead, and you know what a great time for A.J. Gray to, to be able to do that and pick up a huge goal for this club. You know, we, we talk about there being moments in the season that that you'll remember if they you know if they make the playoffs I, I think you take this moment and you mark it down and you remember this goal as the goal that may have gotten them to that level time will tell as we know we've got the big road trip coming up but hey great play by 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 gray to get the goal and then to have to fend off 6 minutes of stoppage time which was obviously it was fairly warranted because of all the injuries and everything, but you know, two great chances for Colorado Springs in stoppage time. Uh, 93rd minute, uh, Verkalone had a shot go just wide off of a Tabena Uzo header, uh, and then in the 94th minute, Malcolm had a shot that Cohen had to make a diving save on. Not too difficult of a save, but still a, a nice effort at that. Uh, the boys were able to run the clock out after that. Uh, after get three full points on the road, a huge win, moves them to seventh in the standings. You can't ask for anything better on a road trip than to get this result with eight new players in the lineup. Guys, we now know where the depth of this team stands, and we can see what the depth of this team is going to mean as we go forward. And when you get Didier back in a week or two, hopefully, you know, from his from his surgery over in, you know, in London, and, and you get him up to some sort of fitness, even if it's 20 or 30 minutes coming off the bench, that will be a big help on the road trip coming up. Um, you know, things are only looking positive at this point as we head, as we head forward. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't really agree more. Um, really nice to see the goal from Dia, but then the guys to continue fighting. And it's funny, our friend of the pod... Uh, Colorado Springs new signing AJ Ajaqua. He actually threw us some Twitter love the last couple days. He he liked our response when San Antonio was announcing they were dropping him. You know, we were responding like he scored some good goals. I don't I don't understand why a team that's goal starved would release a guy like that. And uh, you know, sure enough, he makes his impact right away for Colorado Springs. Just as I warned about on our tweet Saturday morning, saying these guys could make their debut. Um, very similar goal to the goal that he scored with us or with San Antonio against us back in May where he's just making a central run 
and the opposing team is able to work the ball on the outside, get a good ball in, beats his marker, puts it home. And uh, at that point, yeah, I think you're really just hoping for a draw. But then um, what a goal for A.J. Gray. I mean, can you think of a bigger way to score your first goal of the season uh, in in league play like that? I mean, that's nuts. And it's so tough to have that kind of a composed finish from distance. I think a lot of times you see guys from outside the 18 try to blast the ball into the top corner. And it's easy for me to say this. It's so much tougher to do in a game. But you have to just sometimes take a composed finish. And it's okay to roll the ball sometimes if you place it right. It's going to be really tough to stop. AJ Gray proved that with a really, really nicely composed finish to work it onto his left foot like that. And you're absolutely right, Jeff. That is a goal that will be one of the defining moments of the season. I would put it up there with um, maybe maybe SWP's winners against Oklahoma City, against Vancouver 2 in Drago's debut, and the Sacramento match a couple weeks ago. I would, I would, But as far as a singular moment, this might be the biggest moment because of how important it was, you know, in the grander scheme of things. On the Colorado Springs side, that's a huge death now because they only have five matches left. And they're only one point now ahead of Oklahoma City Energy and Orange County who both have matches in hand. I mean, that's, you know, it's just as a, uh, crucial a moment for them, but on the opposite end. I mean, that's, that's a brutal, brutal loss to take, but... Um, you know, nice to be on the receiving end of uh, a great a great goal like that right at the death. And then my another thing that just bears mentioning, who else thought that when you saw a Colorado Springs guy running around with the last name Uzo on his back, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> did, did, did Uchenna just sign for them? Like, what the hell? Did I miss this? Uh, I was also like, damn, he, he shed a couple pounds. He looks good. So I went to Twitter and saw that he said congratulations to my brother on his pro debut, or his USL debut, I should say. He was in PDL before. So, you know, big congratulations there to um, Tobena Uzo. Um, really nice to see our former guy get some enjoyment from seeing his brother come in. But, man, that threw, I think, quite a few people for a loop because I was talking to Jose Bosch this morning, and he was saying the same thing. He's like, I had to do a double take too. So, <laughs> yeah, especially because he was uh, just as physical as his brother is, right? So, yeah, he and was. I think he was yeah, wearing twenty four. He was wearing number twenty four, just like yeah, AJ. he was. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let let me ask let me ask you a question, Dominic, and and see if your answer jives with mine. Do you really believe that Mike Seth is a better forward in San Antonio than a Jaqua or Sean Chin were? I honestly don't know enough about Shin to give a good answer there, um, but I I don't understand why you would get rid of a Jacoa. And I, I like Mike Seth. I think he's got some untapped potential. I know he was responsible in San Antonio coming back against Monarchs in their first goal. I don't know if he was officially credited with that, but he was a big part of that play. But, yeah, I mean, Jacoa's pace... Uh, his ability to get in the right spots, as he's proven twice against us this season now, I, I don't understand that from a team like we were saying before. They need goals. I don't get that at all. Good pickup by Colorado Springs, though. They've been, uh, you know, one team's trash is another one's treasure, and they've been doing that with a few guys now. It, just as a neutral, I want that team to make the playoffs just because I think that they would be a really fun team to watch, and they could give Real Monarchs a real scare in the first round. In a way, I just don't see Oklahoma City or Orange County being able to do. Yeah, my comments on this match, um, you know, the Dia uh, experiment 2.0 is a lot better than the the previous experiment with him out in the back line. Been working out pretty well for him. He's getting really aggressive attacking there, so uh, I like seeing that, and I think we found a pretty good pretty good home for him. AJ Gray, I mean, he seems to be stepping it up quite a bit the past few weeks, so that's somebody we got to keep our eye on. You know, he's definitely uh, contributing. Good to see him finally uh, get one there and continue to help out the team. Um, and then, like we also said, I mean, the the depth of our roster just showed showed how well it is. Uh, we had quite a few players that uh, got some minutes that haven't played in a while, and they did a really good job. So that's very promising, especially as we head in towards the end of the season, knowing that we have such a deep roster. 
so with that being said, I guess that'll summarize uh, the Colorado Springs match. So then we'll get into our match preview against first place Real Monarchs this coming Saturday, the 16th at 730. Uh, this will be here in Phoenix. As we know, Monarchs is first in the Western Division uh, with 17 wins, four losses, and five draws with a goal differential of 24, and they have a total of 56 points. So you would say they're pretty tough, pretty tough opponent. However, they did have some interesting results this weekend. Uh, Real Monarchs drawing with Timbers 2 this Saturday. Uh, So what are your guys' thoughts on this match? Well, obviously, you're going to see a different team than we saw the second game of the season. I mean, obviously, we weren't looking all that great, you know. But obviously, you know, for Salt Lake City, it all starts with Chandler Hoffman up top. I mean, what a a difference a year makes. You know, he was was, uh, stuck in Louisville last year and just couldn't find his form. Uh, you know, he you know, was always a good player when he played, you know, in L.A. get with L.A. Galaxy, you know, the years previous to that. Um, but he, he's really found a home, you know, with with Real Monarchs, 14 goals, seven assists on the season. Obviously has to be one of the leading candidates in the league for for MVP honors. Um, you know, and then you have Sebastian Velasquez, seven goals, six assists, a, a definitely a great compliment to Chandler Hoffman. Uh you know, Daniel Haber has six goals on the season. Charlie Adams has seven assists on the season. So obviously they are a very well, uh, well-groomed offensive unit. Uh, you know, they've got a pair of, of decent goalkeepers in, in Connor Adams and Lalo Fernandez. We played, you know, Fernandez played against us when we played them, you know, back in, in March. So, you know, obviously this is a different, you know, Phoenix Rising is a, a much different team than they were in March. They, you know, they were still tro- struggling to find themselves, you know, when they played that game. And obviously, you know, players playing out of position and and not knowing what exactly they were looking for. Um, you know, this is a this is a hot team right now, unbeaten in seven for Phoenix Rising. You know, obviously, you know, Real Monarchs have had com- some suspect uh, results recently. So you know, they're six three and three away from home. So. You know, they still have a good record on the road, does does Real Monarchs. But, you know, obviously, I don't know if it's as key to win this game as it's as key to at least get a point out of this match. Yeah, I would agree there. And I think it's also um, good that you mentioned that they, they, are, they are in suboptimal form of late. You know, going back just in the last couple months since the start of July, they've lost an away match at Tulsa. They lost, well, they, they drew at San Antonio. They lost versus San Antonio. Um, you know, they've drawn a couple matches. Maybe they would have been favored to win earlier in the season. And then the nil-nil draw at Portland this Saturday. I wouldn't read too much into that. They had a lot of second stringers in their starting 11. And I think that's pretty understandable uh, going against that side in Portland. I think they're still going to pose some threats to us, but... You know, it doesn't look like they're in their peak form. So I really think this is a game where we could just come out guns blazing like the Sacramento game and really take a team that's uh, higher in the table than us by surprise. I mean, you go back to our last match against Real. It was a 1-1 draw. Um, You know, the goal score for us no longer is on the active roster, that being Bravo. But we were posing a lot of threats to them in the last... Uh, 30 to 40 minutes of that match, you know, Monarchs looked pretty gassed, and it looked like we had the the better of the play. Uh, we just couldn't put it in the back of the net. But um, I think it's definitely a match we could get all three points from. And another thing that bears mentioning, they haven't seen our defense in this kind of form yet this season. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we can keep up our momentum because they still are a team that can score in bunches. But I think they also haven't seen us in the defensive form. And, you know, this is a match where if, if Drogba could make it to the starting 11 for us, that would be massive. Because I think these are the nights where... These are the nights you sign Drogba for. Uh, a match at home against a marquee team. You know, ASU has an away football game this, this upcoming weekend. So it really is like the sporting event in town. And, uh, you know a big result would be really nice and I think very attainable. Yeah, I think three points could be attainable. You know, obviously I would love, I would love to see Drogba be able to be back in the lineup. 
Um, but if not, you know, at least now you'll have arrested Chris Cortez. You'll have arrested Alessandro Rigi. Yeah, you know, you'll have, uh, you know, arrested, you know, Sam Hamilton. You know, because he did, he even though he played a full ninety minutes for the first time in a while, you know, now he's getting up to full speed. Uh, you know, I, I think you'll have a lot of your regular players back in the lineup, and that can only help. And maybe maybe this was the smart plan by Patrice Carteron to do this, knowing that he could maybe catch, you know, Real Monarchs off guard, you know, coming in here thinking, oh, you got a tired team, and they may not, may not be able to do as much. So let's see what happens on Saturday. Definitely go. By all means, if you have any chance to go, go, because this is – about as get as big as it gets as far as uh, home matches the rest of the season. All right, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and take us into the USL scores this past week? Yep, let's get into scores this week. Obviously, it's a, a little bit of a lighter schedule only because of two cancellations this week in the schedule. Uh, Bethlehem Steel and Tampa Bay uh, postponed because of Hurricane Irma. Uh, moved that match to September 27th. Uh, same with Charleston and Charlotte. Uh, they moved their match to September 20th uh, just to, to make sure that they, they could take care of what they needed to uh, as, as the impending hurricane comes comes towards their way. Uh, matches uh, this week in the league on Wednesday, uh, Tampa Bay got a 3-2 win over Harrisburg. Uh, it was Tulsa 3, Vancouver 1. It was goals from Katha, Savantison, and Kalistri that got Tulsa 3 big points there that they needed uh, to keep them where they are in the standings. And Reno got a 2-1 win over uh, Los Dos. Uh, it was Richards and Espinol goals sandwiched uh, around uh, a Raul Mendiola goal in the first half uh, for L.A., but three big points for Reno right there. Uh, as they move uh, towards a playoff spot in their first season. Uh, and then obviously the draw for Wednesday for, for Phoenix Rising and uh, Orange County. Thursday it was Richmond 2, Orlando nothing. Uh, Eastern Conference games on Saturday it was Louisville 3, Pittsburgh nothing. It was Rochester 1, Ottawa 1. It was New York 2, Toronto 1. And it was Harrisburg 2, St. Louis 1 games of importance in the west and uh let's talk about this one first before we go any further with any of the other scores sacramento gets a key 2-1 victory over uh rio grand valley on the road and it was a late winner from rodriguez uh they, they got sacramento three huge points we could have been in sixth place possibly uh had that result not gone that way would you you saw the the highlights dominic what'd you think yeah i mean uh RGV actually went ahead in the 69th minute. So if you're if you're looking at this from a Sacramento Republic standpoint, that's a horrible result if that stays. But they they equalized three minutes later through a Villian Bijev goal. Tyler Blackwood in the run up for that play, he gets the assist, and then it looks like it's petering out to a 1-1 draw in front of a very generous announced attendance of 6,083 fans. <laughs> um, Go check out those USL highlights. I would be stunned if there were more than 2,000 bodies in there. But, you know, I don't make the figures. I just report them. But six minutes of stoppage time, literally the last play of the match, James Kiffey sends in a corner kick, and Carlos Rodriguez emphatically heads it home. Big-time celebration, and the final whistle blows. Uh, Big win for Sacramento. Keeps them just above us in the standings. And it's a big win for them because a lot of teams around them did not pick up all three points. Yeah, big big win there for Sacramento, and and another big win uh, in in the in the Saturday games. Orange County gets a big two to one win over Swope Park Rangers. It was goals from Van Iwick and Para. Swope had a chance to tie it late in the 86th minute. Oliveira misses a PK. I don't know, guys. Swope is starting to kind of head in the wrong direction here this last few games as of late. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a poor run of form. They've probably been the streakiest team in the USL Western Conference this season. You know, if you go back to the very start of the season, they had a three-match win streak. Then they were in a bit of a slide around when they played us. Then they went on a huge winning streak in July, pulled themselves all the way up to second in the West. But here they are again. Um... I think they're now winless in their last four. And, I mean, now they're down to fourth place. And we are eight points behind them 
with two matches in hand. So it's absolutely not inconceivable that we could get in that hunt for home home field. Um, it, it, very, very interesting developments. And for OC, that's a team that needed a win in the worst way. I don't think they had won a match since early July. So, I mean, you talk about winning a match of the essence. Uh, good for them to jump out to a lead. And then, you know, they finally catch a break and get a win. And that's, that's from their perspective, away to us and home to Swope to get four points this week was vital. And now you have to look at them and like their chances to jump Colorado Springs because they're only one point back with two matches in hand. I think the battle for those last three spots, or I mean, between Colorado Springs, OKC Energy, and Orange County is going to go right down to the death. And, I mean, you have to like Tulsa's chances to think that they're in, but I don't know if that's set in stone yet. They helped themselves out on Wednesday, but I, it's starting to look like two of those three Two of Colorado Springs, OKC, and Orange County are going to miss out on the dance. And uh, that's going to be a very fun race to watch down the stretch. Yeah. So other matches uh, in the West. Uh, we talked about the uh, Timbers 2 draw with Salt Lake City. Uh, it was Seattle 1, Reno 1. It was an early goal from from Mathers for Seattle, but it was matched by a, a goal in the first half from Brown. So they share the points there. And then the last result on Saturday, L.A. and San Antonio draw 1-1. It was an Angola goal in the 51st minute for the for Los Dos, uh, followed by a goal in the 88th from Reed that was able to get San Antonio a point. Uh, another interesting result for the boys uh, down in the Lone Star State. Yeah, and uh, I, think, I think their goal they scored is going to be one of the USL Goal of the Week nominees. San Antonio, considering they don't score too much, they have a knack of scoring some crackers. And this one was like a 25-yard free kick. They're on the verge of dropping an embarrassing match at Los Dos. But Reed bent it into the right corner and froze the Los Dos keeper. So they get something from that match, and they stay right on Reno's heels for second place in the West. They actually have a match in hand on Reno, so... um, It looked like it's going to come down to the wire between those two squads for for second place so interesting to keep your eyes on that yep and then as we're taping uh this session there is one game going on on sunday Uh, oklahoma city is hosting vancouver in the last game of the week and that will wrap up this week uh, as far as scores in the usl so matt you want to take us through the western conference standings as they stand at the moment Yep, and just kind of like we were talking about with the uh, score highlights, there were definitely some interesting results at the the top portion of the table. Top four had a draw or a loss, so that was definitely uh, good for Phoenix to kind of close that gap a little bit. We'll start off here at first place, Real Monarchs with 56 points in first place. Second place is Reno with 49 points. Third place is San Antonio with 49 points. Fourth place is Swope Park with 45. Tulsa Roughnecks are in fifth place with 40 points. Sacramento's in sixth place with 39 points and Phoenix moved up one position this week into seventh place with 37 points having played 24 matches so we still have a you know one to two match advantage on everybody above us Colorado Springs will round out the top half of the table at uh, 34 points in the bottom half of the table we have Oklahoma City at ninth place with 33 points Orange County in 10th with 33 Seattle Sounders two in 11th place with 30 points Rio Grande Valley at 12th place with 28 points. Los Dos at 13th with 26 points. The Vancouver Whitecaps, too, at 14th place with 22 points. And T2 is down at the bottom with 12 points. Definitely some interesting results that uh, went in Phoenix's favor, especially after uh, the great run we had this past week with uh, picking up seven out of the, the nine possible points. So all in all, a good week for Phoenix as we inch closer and closer to the end of the season. Uh, So now we're going to get into some Phoenix Rising news. This week, Phoenix Rising has added an additional goalkeeper, John Berner, who's on loan from Colorado Rapids of the MLS. Uh, This was kind of an interesting pickup, and we're kind of learning now that uh, Waz will probably be out for three to four weeks due to a rib injury from the Seattle Sounders match. Uh, Jeff, you had some discussions with Patrice Carteron on this. What, What do you have to add to this? Yeah, he just, you know, when we talked after the Seattle game, you know, 
he had mentioned Carl's injury and had mentioned that it would probably be three to four weeks. So, I mean, granted, we're bringing in a, a guy that, that has, you know, some MLX, some MLS experience. Now, granted, those games were played in, in 2014, so he hasn't really seen the field very much. Yeah, and you have to you have to remember that Colorado Rapids' first string keeper is a guy named Tim Howard. I don't know if you've heard of him, so I don't think that uh, Burner is going to get in too often over that guy. You know, but obvious. You know, obviously, I'm guessing that they don't feel like Nolan Worth is is somebody they could go to in a pinch if they had to. Uh, you know, for a game, you know, I think they would probably rather have somebody with a little bit of experience as they head onto this road trip. Um, so obviously a key move, but I think a good move for the club to find somebody that, that they feel that if the situation were warranted, they could throw him in there and not be too worried about the situation. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested to see how he plays. Um, he's set in second string or third string behind Tim Howard. You know, one benefit of that is maybe he, you know, he probably had some training time in there with him and learned a few things from Tim Howard. So it'd be nice to see how that hopefully would transfer over you know, fill that goalkeeper gap if, if we ever needed it. So it will be interesting to see how Patrice Carderon rotates that going forward. And Dominic, you have some news about uh, some updates on season ticket pricing for next season. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So if you haven't seen this, um, go check out Firebird Rising or check out the Firebird Rising Twitter. Uh, Chad Smith, who is a friend of the pod, he put out a really good article a few days ago uh, about the Phoenix Rising ticket prices and went into detail about this. Uh, so I'm not going to list every single number uh, for every single person, but I can tell you that they are listing uh, the season ticket prices. They're saying we're going to have 20 home games next season. This year we only had 16. That's a 17 home game USL schedule. That also means that there are three other matches in there. And I don't know what kind of teams are going to comprise those other matches. I think we're going to try to get some some good friendlies, whether it's you know teams from Mexico, perhaps a second division team or two from there, perhaps an MLS team during MLS preseason if they could come to town and that would be part of our season ticket pricing. I, I think it would certainly make sense. Uh, Jose and I have talked about this, and the fact is more and more teams are going to Tucson for MLS preseason every year, and... Last year, there was so much uncertainty because we didn't even have the stadium ready to go till right before kickoff, but now we have a facility, and we have a lot of other fields around. You know, There's even been a couple uh, rumors about trying to get more of the MLS preseason matches up to Phoenix in addition to Tucson, so there's definitely a possibility we could get, you know, who knows, maybe a Sporting Kansas City or Seattle Sounders or LAFC for a match for our preseason and theirs in February or March. Maybe that's part of the, the pricing. So those are cool things to keep an eye on, but uh, there definitely are going to be price increases. The cheapest seats are going to be supporters section still. They were $10 a match this year. Now they're 12 The total is going to be $240 as opposed to 160 this year. So it's definitely a hike. And Similar hikes exist for a lot of other sections, but you can check out the article and see the image that was shared in that article. It gives the pricing breakdown for each section. It looks like there are also going to be field seats next year, which is something that we did not have last year. That could be a big revenue generator for the club. Um, a couple other things, too. Season ticket benefits. That was mentioned in the article towards the end. Uh, with season ticket, uh, you get a gift card for use at the stadium, and depending on, you know, which section you're getting season tickets for, you know, you're going to have a more valuable gift card. I think you get a $100 gift card if you have a suite or a field seat versus a $25 one if you're in supporters, but that still allows you for a night or two to get a couple free beers, you know, maybe a t-shirt or a scarf or something, which is a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Um, Another thing too, renewals get a 2017 team signed photo. If you do early bird renewal, which is before Saturday, September 16th, so keep this in mind, do it this week if you want these benefits. Early bird renewals get VIP parking and a supporter section price freeze. So if you're 
in LFR, if you're in Bandidos, or if you're just another one of the fans that likes to go out there every time, if you do it in the next week, you're still only paying $10 a match, and it might even only be 160 total. So that's that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Uh, as far as dates are concerned, renewals already started as, as of September 2nd. Early bird deadline was will be September 16th. Uh, new sales will be October 1st. And then uh, a couple other things later on. And there's also a refer a friend program. So um, there's another image that goes into a little bit more detail with that. But basically, the more people you refer, the more benefits you get. So I think even if you refer one person for a season pass next year, you're going to get an exclusive team scarf and a pregame field pass experience. So those are some cool benefits to check out. Um, all of these posts are official, released by the team, and you can check out this article on Firebird Rising. It'll be on the front page. So definitely check that out, and definitely, if you are an existing season ticket holder, take advantage of that early bird deadline and do it this week. So that's that's all the information we have right now, but um, just cool stuff to keep in mind. Well, I think, uh, Dominic, unless you have anything to add about uh, any Twitter discussions this week. Yeah, it was cool to see so many people appreciate our uh, our Will Ferrell reference in the in the last one, our old school reference, that we're going streaking after this big win. But uh, I don't think I have anything else to add. So let's do our final thoughts. All right, Jeff, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll get us started. Um, obviously... You know, it was great to see the depth of this club this week. Uh, we've always wondered, you know, what it's going to be like as we head down the stretch, you know, if we would have a, a, a team roster deep enough that would be able to handle uh, a late season run. And with the efforts you saw this week with the Saturday result at, uh, at home against Seattle, with the Wednesday draw uh, against OC, and now you get a Saturday result of three points in Colorado Springs. To see eight new players be able to come into the lineup, know the system, know the setup, know what they need to do, it's great to see. And it, it, it only can be positive as we head forward the rest of this season. I mean, you got we've talked about this time and time and time again, that the road trip looms, the road trip is coming after next week's game, four games in a matter of 14 days, all up in the northwest on the road. You want to talk about a team that's going to be bonding in the next two weeks? Let's see it. Let's see this team really bond and come away with at least nine, if not ten points, most likely in that Cascadia trip. Because all those teams, with the exception of Sacramento, are sitting below us. And if there's no way you can't sit there at this point and say that these guys can't be pulling games off because you know that they're tired or whatever the case, no, we've got the depth now, boys. This is a this is a full run of the playoffs. I still believe we're a 52-53 point team. Does that get us to fourth? I don't know necessarily. It does get us to fourth, but it may get us to fifth. And and you know, I'll take my chances in that four or five game if it happens to be Swope. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with your thoughts on us and our chances against Swope. Uh, I think you're being a little bit ambitious with trying to get 9 or 10 points from that trip. I understand that Phoenix, Seattle, and Vancouver are not teams with a lot to play for at this point, but it's really difficult to beat three USL teams back-to-back-to-back. I don't care who their, uh, you know, what their points are, who it is, and especially to win three road matches in a row I think is pretty ambitious. So I would be okay with seven from those three matches and then, you know... Anything against Sacramento would be an acceptable result, considering how tough it is to play over there where they get 11,000 fans a match. So, I mean, you know, for me, I think seven seven points from four away matches is perfectly fine. But I want to get a win on Saturday before that trip. And I think that's super possible. My biggest thing, though, is I just love our defense right now. Patrice Carterone, when he came in, came in with a track record of defensive success. And that was a thing he stressed early on, right away. We need to strengthen up our back line. And, you know, at times, we haven't looked as free-flowing in the attack 
but I think we're attacking more efficiently now, and we're defending infinitely more efficiently now. You look at what our team looked like when uh, Yallop was here the first month and a half with Wakasa and Vasquez in the back, and they were just going up, you know, a little too often perhaps, and then there wasn't the proper coverage in the back if they were going up. There is such a better system in place now. I think Jordan Stewart and Peter Ramage have great chemistry as center backs now. That's something that took a while to develop. And I, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest. If we play the way that we've been playing these last few weeks, I think we have at least a 30% chance of beating any team in the USL on our night. I mean, if we've, we've conceded you know, only two goals in our last four matches now. Um, three goals in our last seven matches. It's absolutely day and night with where we were end of last year with Arizona United start of this year where we just couldn't get a shutout to save our lives. And you have to give credit where credit is due. Patrice Carderon has found his 4-4-2 formation. For the most part, he stuck to it, which is big because we were shuffling uh, formations all over the place the first few months of this year. But he, he came in, he established his system, and, you know, found the players that would fit that system. And that involved some very difficult roster cuts, but also some crucial additions that have really um, helped our chances. And you see a guy like Amadou Dia, who's already scored, you know, now two goals in the last three weeks. You see now two former players from TP Mazembe coming in already and being regular pieces in the rotation. Uh, I have to give all the credit in the world for Patrice Carteron for coming in at the time he did. When we were an absolute mess of a club, we had pieces, but we didn't know how to put it together. He put it together. He gave us a defense. You know, I, I know that uh, if, if there's a Coach of the Year award, you know, the Monarchs coach or maybe a Charlotte coach out east would win that award. But um, as for what Carderone has had to deal with, with injuries and new additions and roster shuffling constantly, I would vote him potentially as Coach of the Year. I think he's been absolutely incredible. One last thing, too. Um, Jose Bosch and myself, uh, we've been going to Lux Cafe the last couple weeks for non-Phoenix Rising matches. If you ever want to hang out with us, enjoy some fantastic coffee, have yourself a nice breakfast, and watch a Premier League match, um, come by. You can message me on Twitter at domk 49 or hit him up. Jose is pretty easy to find on there. Uh, we are getting a Newcastle fan club started. So, you know, if you don't have a Premier League team, come for the food, come for the coffee, and stay for the soccer. And if you do, it's just a great place to be anyways. Um, so you can just set up shop, bring your laptop, and stay there the rest of the day. But um, that's, that's something to keep an eye on. And I don't know if any of you guys know, we do have a former Newcastle United player in our squad. And he may or may not join us there sometimes. So keep that in mind, too. Well said, Dominic. I just kind of want to piggyback off of your topics about the defensive improvement. One stat that stands out to me is that, you know, our goal differential went from negative six to now we're at a zero. So, I mean, that shows that we're we're holding strong on defense and we're getting some goals offensively, obviously. That's just a really promising stat to see because as we get – further and further into the season, though the goal differential points could come in as a factor. The matches uh, this week, having three matches within seven days, really, like we've talked about, has validated our roster depth. I'm going to go ahead and pull out the games in hand card uh, that we've been talking about all season. But this week, we really showed and capitalized on that, you know, having the three matches and uh, walking away with seven out of those nine points shows that we are able to capitalize out of those games in hands. And uh, moved up in uh, the rankings a few positions over the past two weeks. So just, again, a lot of positive results. I'm seeing a lot a lot of good good things, you know. Uh, as far as the remaining of the season, I'm maybe a little, little optimistic, uh, maybe even more so than Jeff. I think it's still totally possible for us to end up the season with 54, 55 points. 55 might be stretching it, but I think it can be done, and I sure hope that it can be done. But either way, I, the rest of the season is looking pretty promising for Phoenix. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Rising as One podcast. Just remember, if you guys like this podcast, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. Feel free to contact us on Twitter, at RisingPod. And with that being said, 
Have a good week and go rising. Have a great week, everybody. Go rising. Go rising.